I've been in a series over the last couple of months, and there's a little bit more. I want to get into some stuff here today about the presence of God, about the joy of the Lord, about the pleasures of His presence. Let's read our text once again, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. So if you're with us uh, today and this is uh, you're new to the church or first time with us because you've been vacationing for two months or something, uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, there is something available to you. I tell you what, it is beyond your wildest dreams. It is the presence of God. It'll thrill you. It will stir you. It will make you so happy you can hardly stand it. And, uh, and this is not just for those checking things out today. This is for all of us. Amen. There is a place of continual fulfillment. And this is the opposite of where most people live. In the world, people are discontent and unsatisfied and, and sad. And it doesn't have to be that way. There is a place in God. There is a presence that is available. Uh, it's not about self-help. It's not about uh, human effort. It is a literally a divine substance from the Creator that produces in us great pleasure. And you can have some of this joy juice. You can have some of this for yourself. There's plenty to go around. And it can fill your life up. And not just once in a while. Not just once a week. But continually. Praise God. And uh, so I'm curious as to where some of you are. I I would love to hear your stories. I've been uh, personally uh, increasing in in my times with the Lord and then beyond. Uh, increasing in the joy of the Lord, in the presence and the good pleasure that goes along with that. And I tell you what, it's nice. It's nice. And I'd love to hear some of your stories. Are you enjoying? Are you increasing? Are you you happier than you've ever been before? Because I tell you, the presence of God is that way and it produces. Send me some emails. Tell me what's been going on. Let me me hear about the good things that are happening in your life because I trust you're you're living this and not just hearing it because that's kind of annoying. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, for any of us, but especially as a as a as a pastor and as a teacher, I never want to just bring a message. Especially this is part nine, by the way. Uh, especially bring a message week after week and bring the revelation of what God has shown me, and uh, it's burning on the inside. I don't want it to just be, oh yeah, that was a good message, but I'm the same as I was before. Uh, I'm not that way, and I'm. I'm increasing. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and I want to give you the tools, the necessary equipment to experience God continually. So it'll put such a happy face on you <laughs> that uh, nothing in this world will do. You'll quit sa- settling. You'll never settle for the limitations of what this world and the flesh have to offer or what any human being can bring. There is access to God Himself. And He is so much better than anything you and I could ever experience in, in this natural, physical world. Look with me over at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you this verse that uh, this, this relates to this, this ultimate goal that I have. Uh, it, it shows that, did I say first or second? 
Go to second. I wrote it down wrong. I remembered I did that. It's second Corinthians chapter one. Uh, second Corinthians chapter one. This verse kind of it shows what Paul said he was. He and his associates were. Um, we're trying to do for the Corinthians, and I recognize this is what I'm trying to do. He, he writes in here, uh, verse 24, not that we have dominion over your faith. Now, now think about that for a moment. Do, how many know that's what, what religion often does? They want to dominate you and put obligation and force and, and all these things to control people. We're not interested in controlling individuals. I don't want to control your life. But here's what I want. He said, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. King James Bible says that uh, it is, we are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. I realize that one of my assignments, if you will, is simply to help believers stay happy. Yeah, and not that I'm to make people because I'm not the source of that, but if I can stir up in you the ability, the knowledge of of God to this degree that you stay in joy, then how many know you stay in faith? All the blessings of God, everything He wants us to do, to have this relationship, it's all hinging on the faith walk. I believe and therefore I speak. Okay? The faith walk is essential. But faith does not work in the atmosphere of sad. Faith and depression do not hang out together. One of the things we need is joy continually. Amen. At the very minimum, I want to conduct services on Sundays and Wednesdays and have gatherings to where people leave up. People leave empowered. People leave with strength that comes related to a smile on their face. Amen. And so, here's the deal though. It's not just about saying the right thing. It's not just about, you know, uh, some of these externals. It all revolves around this. The presence of God. If I can encourage you, help you. In any way, to stay in God's presence continually, problem solved. Because in that place, there's a smile on your face. In that place is great joy that will strengthen you to do everything you need to do in your life. And so I just want to help you to stay in joy. To stay in the presence. You know, some old timers used to call this practicing the presence. Ever heard of that language? Practice. A lot of people are practicing all kinds of stuff except the presence of God. And uh, but if we can practice the presence, meaning we get comfortable, Me- meaning we exercise His uh, presence, what He's made available to us on an ongoing basis, continual basis, then we'll start to recognize His presence everywhere. And you know what happens in the middle of that? Joy. Pleasure, satisfaction, yeah. I mean, there's a far less need to smoke anything, to drink anything, to be immoral in any other kind of way when you are so satisfied just in living in the presence of God. Okay, we need to know that that's available, but then we need to access it. 
and live in it and enjoy it. And woohoo, it's good. It's good. Come on, somebody hit your neighbor, say, it's good. People many times hear of reports, of outstanding things happening, of principles like we're sharing in this series. Uh, They hear of something great, but often it seems like a life that's distant or unattainable. Um, It often remains in the land of theory. It's relegated to, uh, you know, just a, a select group of people, but not them. What I'm discussing, what I'm talking about, is normal life for the spirit-filled believer. It is normal. Now, if it hasn't been your experience, that means you're weird. (laughs) If you're a Christian. All right? So that kind of hurt. Well, now if you're in the world, that's normal. But for a believer who has access to the presence of God himself, who's been invited to the throne, filled with his spirit, authorized by him, given his name, given his precious promises, made joint heirs with him, then normal ought to be different than it was prior to that experience and revelation. And maybe what some of us have allowed to be our normal isn't supposed to be that way. What I'm talking about is normal. But again, some of our, some of our norm has been formed and shaped and defined by a religious system that promotes self-help, sin consciousness. It, it, it promotes a, a thought of that, that joy and pleasure and, and ecstasy in God are delayed till after death. Okay, with that teaching and that promotion, that explains why so many of us have spent so many years just kind of blasé and not reflecting these, these great and precious promises that we have in Scripture. It's like, I see it, I mentally assent to it, but I'm not living there. Okay, I think our religious system has done that to us. I think people's lack of encounter with God has done that. But you look, over, you look throughout history at many of the various moves of God over the last couple thousand years. And you see whenever God's spirit was free to work and there were moves of his spirit, people were happy. I mean, people were overcome with great pleasure that was not earthly based. They were satisfied, independent of outward circumstances. Amen. And so when God, it seems like he initiates at times some of those events, it's not because he only desires to splatter a few here and there with such, uh, with such joy. It's he's trying to bring it back to the attention of all of his family, the whole body of Christ that you can experience and live in this with me continually. He doesn't have a select few favorites that he pours out on and blesses and does things for. This is to be normal for the whole body of Christ. But in order for us to get back to that place, there needs to be a heightened expectation. Now, I talked to you last week, of course, about 
uh, wrong expectations. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But there is to be some great expectation in what the Spirit of God will say and do in our lives continually. Okay? Now, uh, the active work of the Spirit is to be expected daily. Now watch. Some of the things we see this, the, that the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. Uh, when I talk about expecting, I'm talking about visions and dreams and being anointed and, and people being filled and healings and miracles and answers to prayer. Sudden and great explosions of joy. You know, living your life in such a way where at times you're cu- accused of drinking even though it's been not of this world. Huh? We're, we're, we're talking about all these events being caught up. Those seem to be the norm in Scripture, in the book of Acts in particular, for those who were filled with the Spirit, for Spirit-filled believers. Now, what if someone's a world-filled believer? Meaning they accepted the Lord Jesus and they received their salvation, but their life, their mind, they're occupied with the things of the world. They're worried and concerned and in fear and, and, and all this stuff occupies them continually. Well, that contributes to their present definition of normal. And it limits the full scope of the power and presence of God from invading and affecting them, spirit, soul, emotions, and body. Uh, we're not like, you know, no emotion. Do you know that? That the Spirit of God will move upon... We're not led by emotion. We don't, we don't follow that as our directive. But I tell you, the Lord will stir things up in you. And we're not stiff. All right? Praise God. And so, uh, look over with me at the book of Acts. Left turn, you're not too far away. Acts chapter 19. There's an interesting statement over here that I think we should pay attention to for a moment. Acts the 19th chapter. And it really, uh, you know, goes along these lines of this discussion about usual and unusual or normal and abnormal. All right. We want to try to figure out what's what's going on in us, in our lives, in our church, uh, with everything that we have to do with. Is it normal or is it abnormal? All right. Everybody okay with this? Anybody want to be normal? Well, it depends on what you call it. It depends on what you're referring to. But this is interesting. Acts 19, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. What did God do? He worked unusual miracles. Now, often we read that and we think, great, God did miracles by Paul. Unusual miracles. In this case, he was talking about how handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from his body and they were put on sick people and they were healed and demons would go out and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but we sometimes read, we'll read quick over that and say, yeah, God did unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. But you realize what it's saying there, that the unusual part of that was how people were healed, how the demons went out. It was the fact that those claws were on his body. They retained the anointing that anointing was then placed on others and it went into them that what in other words that wasn't the normal way that they were working miracles in other words if there are unusual miracles then there are also what usual miracles 
You know, a lot of times people never use those two words together, usual and miracle. Usual and miracle. Normal and God intervention. Commonplace and powerful. Usually in the minds of many believers today, it is normal is I'm struggling, I'm trying my best, I'm trying my hardest, I'm, I'm doing this, but this is just life, it's the way that it is. And then miracle is abnormal, miracle or God intervention is like once in a long time or you heard about it happening somewhere down the line. And how many know that is weird? For a Christian to think that way. In Jesus' ministry, it was mentioned that individuals would marvel at the healings and miracles. They would marvel and, wow. You know, Jesus never complimented that. He never said, you got your marvel on, way to go. You are impressed with the miracle. In fact, just the opposite. He told them to not marvel. In other words, he's saying, what are you surprised about? That that the, the sick are healed? He said that, well, all that is a reflection of his doubt and unbelief. Huh? Jesus marveled a couple times, but it was at their unbelief. He's like, wow, your unbelief is impressive. <laughs> I mean, it stinks to high heaven, but, you know, it's impressive. It's, 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 a, it's, it's bad. I mean, it's strong. <laughs> but what he did not want people to do was be shocked and surprised at the work of God. Why? Why would we be? Why would we say he created the universe with his words? He speaks life into our existence. You know, Jesus was raised from the dead. What? Someone got healed? Where? Uh, All of a sudden we're surprised at his operation when we ought to have an expectation daily. That He is not only present, but active in our lives. He's speaking. He's revealing. He's showing. He's working. He's doing things. Amen. And anything less than that, why? I mean, we've been influenced by a severely watered-down example of what a relationship with God is really to be like. And I'm telling you, it has affected all of us. Me too. We have, and so we think normal is just well, you go along, and maybe every couple of years, or you know, some of us have increased from there. Thank you, but you know, every once in a while, you see things happen. You get a word of knowledge, or you know, something something good happens that God does, and we celebrate those. But it's not nearly at the level where it ought to be. What is to, what what is normal? What we've done, like I said, is. We've been influenced by those who've watered it down. The Bible calls it, uh, in, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, those who have a form of godliness but deny the power. Okay? And that's predicted, prophesied to be prevalent in our day. So we're in the middle of it. A lot of form of godliness. Got a lot of good systems, a lot of good programs, a lot of good organization, but a lack of power. And he's saying we need to turn away from that. Not that all organization is wrong, not that all systems are wrong, that's all fine and good. But a lack of power, is we should run from that. Get out of there. Let alone we finance it, contribute, praise it, 
act like it's a good thing when we haven't seen God move in how long? <laughs> Man, I'm getting kind of strong with this, aren't I? Everybody okay? I got some help from a few of you. Lock the doors. Keep them in until I'm done. Eat the whole roll. You might like something I say sooner or later. But we must leave this I'm surprised by miracles mentality. I know one of our, one of our Bible school students this last year had testified recently in our small group and stuff about, uh, about going to school. And, and at the beginning we were teaching on the Holy Spirit. And in the class there, there were some different things that would happen through the students as far as word of knowledge and healings. And one, one day, you know, he was testifying a person had a word of knowledge about someone and, and they got, then he, they laid hands on this person and ministered and they were healed right there in, in the class. And, and after the class, he was just like freaking out about this, talking to some of, some of the other students and they were kind of like making no big deal of it. And he was like, did this really just happen? I mean, it's, <laughs> he was talking to them and like, did we really just see this? Did really, this really just happen? And they're like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. And they weren't, they were thankful. I mean, but it was somewhat norm. They expected that. But this one individual, it was brand new to him. And he couldn't believe that everyone was just acting like, oh yeah, God always heals people and does things and, and answers prayer. And he was like, in Shockville. <laughs> And uh, he's no longer there, by the way. He's no longer in the Marvel zone, right? Now, now he is in expectation zone. This is just the things that God does. We pray and he answers. We speak and things happen. Uh, someone said, I want, I want God to move. Well, he, God is in you, right? You, don't you believe that? That you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? Don't you believe that he's everywhere you are? Well, if you want God to move, then you should move. Because when you move, he moves. Amen, amen. I just want to sit back and watch it. It usually doesn't happen that way. It happens when we recognize I'm in his presence now. He has filled me with his grace and power. And I am lit up with the glory of God. So what shall we go shake? <laughs> Whose life can we help? What's, who, where, what can we do? Because when you act, of course he's there. This is his idea. You and I didn't come up with this. And so I think one of the things, main things we need to do is replace a consciousness of flesh with one of spirit. What we speak of uh, is reality. It's norm in God's kingdom for him to be active and involved and at work through us continually. Uh, but it's often missed by the masses of believers. You know, uh, as I was thinking about these things this morning, actually sometimes before I put my foot on the floor, I have, I have a, a, an idea that come up in my spirit. Um, but how many have a smartphone? Anybody have a smartphone? Dumb phones? <laughs> Dumb phones, all right. No phone. No phone. Bless you with no phones. <laughs> uh, you ever gone into a, a place, uh, a restaurant or a place of business, 
and you need to do some stuff, send some emails, whatever. And so you want to get on their Wi-Fi, right? Uh, and so you um, you pull it, your, it comes up on your phone, and it's you have the option to join that network. And you say, okay, free network. You see there's no password on there. You select it, and you join their Wi-Fi network. You ever had it where their network is so slow that you wished you had not joined? Or you realize there is no internet connected to their Wi-Fi. And so you're, yep, I got full signal, but it does nothing, right? And so what do you have to do? Well, usually, you know, you go back into your settings and you find your, you find that network. And at least on my phone, the way it works is you, you have to say, forget this network, right? You have to intentionally go in there and forget it. I don't want you to know, you phone, Siri, <laughs> I don't want you to know about this network anymore. So forget about that. And then what happens? Then your device will look for something else, right? It'll connect back to your, you know, your LTE or whatever, you know, data network you have with your cell service, and then you can do what you need to do, all right? And I find it's very, there's a lot of similarities uh, how we have been sometimes programmed, if you will, we've connected to the wrong source. We've connected to something that isn't working, that isn't producing. And yet, as long as we stay connected to it, we're going to get little or no results. And the thing that needs to take place is we need to intentionally forget it. We need to go in there manually and say, I'm turning my back on this. And I'm connecting to something else. Because when you say no to one thing, your spirit gets, your spirit is alive. And your spiritual antennas go up. And it will pick up the Holy Spirit. And He is fast. But you will be able to pick up what the Spirit of God is transmitting. And then everything will start to work. But that won't happen as long as you're connected to another network. Everybody listening to me now. In fact, it's like your spirit's not even looking because you found your connection. You've chosen. I'm going to be on this system. But it's just like with sin. It's just like with other things that people struggle. What, what is required is a turning away from one thing and then an engaging of something else. And when it comes to the power of God, the normalcy of living in His activity daily, it is... If I haven't experienced that or if I don't know that, what do I need to shut off? What do I need to forget? What do I need to turn my back on and say, I'm going to start thinking a different way. I'm going to start living and and focusing on something different. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about doing more. I think sometimes in in the quest... Of this joy and pleasure of God. People think give me four points so I can do them. And, and sometimes we get in the mode of I need to do something. The reality is uh, these things are not condition, conditional upon our activity. I would say it more choice or faith. It's what we believe. And then, yes, we give ourselves to a way of thinking, a way of living, a way of life. But it's not, I need to do a little bit more. If I'll work a little bit harder. No, we've just gotten further away from it. 
Okay, we've just stepped into us mode. Self-help, I'll fix myself. And that's contrary to the grace of God. Okay, I need to stay in the mode. He did it. Jesus went to the cross. He opened heaven up to me at that point. And now I freely have access to all that He is and all that He's done. And it's a settled reality in my life as a believer. And consciousness of that, of what He did, keeps me from adding something to it. All I'm doing is like I'm getting in the boat and going down the river. Because the river's already there, the boat's already there, it's all been pot and paid for in Jesus. I'm going to ride along and say, thank you, Lord. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. All the things of God, all of His great pre- presence and pleasure have been freely given to us. First Timothy chapter 4, you see, Paul teaches Timothy about a bunch of stuff, and he ends up with this verse that I want to focus in on, because it's a principle that covers what he taught, and covers what I'm teaching, and covers a myriad of subjects. In First Timothy 4 and verse 15, Paul told Timothy, meditate on these things. Now, now stop for a moment. Meditate is something all of us do. Say, I don't really do meditation. Yes, you do. Meditation has to do with what, what we think about continually. What we ponder. What we, what we allow to replay in our minds again and again and again and again. Remember, you know how it's come up a few times already today during the service? You don't have to admit that. But we're, we're meditators. We're thinking about stuff. But we can, by our own choice, choose to focus our meditation. We can place our minds on certain things. Some will hinder, some will help. Okay? The reality of that, um, the substance of what helps is already provided. I can't do anything to increase it. But my keeping that in my mind, that is a choice that I make. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Okay? So that shows that I have the option. I could give myself partly to the things of God, to the principles or the words that I have heard. And if I'll do that, I'll probably get a minor benefit. All right. But if I'm, again, if I'm still connected to the wrong network, my spirit's probably not even looking. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. All right. In other words, there is progress available. The Lord desires you to move forward. To not be today where you were a week ago or a a year ago. And not be the same next week or next year or five years where you are today. He wants to make you to make progress. To move forward. But not just so you know it. Really, the end result is that the progress is seen by others around you. And I say, I haven't gone far enough. I haven't experienced the joy and pleasure of God sufficiently until, until others can look at me and recognize that there is something happening in my life. Something beyond human explanation. And if that's the case, I need to make more progress. Hmm. 
Anybody in here need to make some more progress? Come on now. And it's available. How? He said, if you'll meditate on it, think about it. Come on, think about it. Come on, think about it. How? Give yourself entirely to it. Completely give yourself over to it. When you do, you'll move. You will progress. You'll go forward. And others will say, wow, look at that. That's obvious. There's some changes. You're not the same as you used to be. You know, I I don't necessarily recognize this in myself, but uh, someone came up to me a couple uh, months ago, and they've known me for many years, and they said, you're a lot happier than you used to be. And uh, when they said that, I I stopped and thought. I thought, okay, because I didn't, I don't really, I can't really grab a time period going back when I was really unhappy. You know, I've been unhappy about things before, uh, but I didn't, I wouldn't look back and consider myself an unhappy person, but then as I considered it more, I thought, you know, that's a good thing, if that's true. If I'm happier, I thought, I ought to be. I mean, I'm spending time with the happy one. I mean, I spend time with the happy per- in his presence regularly, and it get, that keeps getting better and better, and, and I ought to be more happy than I used to be, so I thought, well, praise God, good. Good. I don't want to go make some other people happy. Happy. Elbow your neighbor. Happy. Get your elbow out of my ribs. That doesn't make me happy. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Jesus dealt with this a little bit. He, in Matthew 6, he, talk, he talked about um, people praying, talked about them fasting, talked about them giving alms, giving to the poor. Remember, and in the, in the discussion of those, you know, godly spiritual activities, he said, don't do it to be seen. Remember that? Talked about praying in the prayer closet. He said, if you're fasting, don't look sad. And, you know, he said, wash your face and don't let people know, you know, what's wrong with you? I'm fasting. You know, he said, don't do any of that kind of stuff. He said, keep that. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Keep that between you and the Father. Keep that between you and the Father. No one else's business. You don't need any pats on the back from people for, for doing that. Because watch. He said, if you'll do it in secret where the Father sees, what's going to happen? He will reward you openly. In other words, ultimately, a person's prayer life, a, a person's spiritual activity is known by those around them. Not because they told them, I'm really spiritual. I fast, I pray, I give, and uh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what you do, but I do this. No. People don't know it because you told them per se, but they know it because of the blessing of God on you. Because there's something, mm, there's a reward from heaven that is upon your life, and it gets traced back to what are you doing when you're behind closed doors? Hmm. Amen. Now, let me try to wrap this up. Anybody happy yet? Sometimes when people uh, in the world, if they want to get messed up, they'll go to the bar and sit at the bar And they'll start consuming and start drinking 
until there's results. Right? Drink enough until they feel it or until they're full, (laughs) until they can't handle anymore. And I think sometimes in, in our modern Christianity, we've lost that when it comes to the Spirit of God. There were some old-time believers who would carry, who would have that same mentality. I'm going to drink until I get full. Talking about of the Spirit. I'm going to pray until I see. I'm going to stay until I hear. I'm going to remain in this place until I have an experience with God. But too many times today, you know how how it is. I mean, I know how it is, but it's just we're cruising along, plugged into the wrong network, and then when we need something or, you know, maybe there's a sincere heart about it, but it's just more of a run by the Lord, high five, and we're out of here. You know, or I need to make a decision. I've got decisions to make. And so we'll spend a few minutes in prayer. We'll ask a few other people. We'll say, Lord, guide me. And we'll be sincere in our prayer. But that's not how this works. Give all of our attention to the things of the world. And then give a quick wink at God and say, hey, I'm just trusting the Lord. That's not how that works. I'm telling you, the things of God work in us when we are consumed by Him, and it's, it's normal. Hearing from God and being with Him and worshiping Him, and, and I pray and He answers. This is a, a part of life in general. Does that make sense? We were, um, I thought of this earlier, well, in the first service right at this time it came up, so I'll share it again. Uh, we were at the pool in our neighborhood. And uh, I was just walking in the kitty end of the pool, ankle deep, listening. I had the headphones on. I was listening to the Word, and, and I, that's what I like to do, getting, getting some good rays, you know, browning up. <laughs> but I'm just kind of walking back and forth, uh, feet in the water, not paying attention to anything else, can't hear anything else. There's some other people. There's a couple ladies there and some kids that were close, but I wasn't even paying attention. I couldn't hear what they're saying. But I, I'm walking around, uh, just walking around listening. Um, and in the middle of this, I get this, uh, right in my spirit, just like, uh, something's wrong. And I start thinking, what, what is this? I'm listening to what I'm listening to, thinking, something going on wrong here. No, that seems fine. That's scriptural. Something, something wasn't right. And then it, I just kind of got focused back on what I'm listening to again. After, after a little while, I took those off because I was ready to launch out into the deep. And, and I took those off. I set my stuff to the side. And I, just, I got on the water about waist deep, and I was just sitting, sitting there at the side of the pool. Then I could hear what these people were talking about. Not intentionally, but just overheard all this discussion. And later, you know, Amy told me about, uh, you only heard the part of it. But it was all this stuff about ghosts and these seeing all this stuff. It was a lot of demonic stuff that these ladies were telling, these kids were accepting. And, I, and, and as I'm sitting there, I standing there against the wall, I'm going like, ah. I go, oh, that's what was going on. They were engaged in a wrong spirit. And I knew that right inside. 
Sometimes you just know things. Here's my point. Here's my point in, in, in saying some of this. When we live in this place and have a constant expectation of a work of God, a move of God, every day we wake up, what is He going to say and do today? He's going to provide and protect and all these things. He's going to be at work in my life. If When I'm engaged in spiritual stuff on a regular basis, when I need, need to make a decision, those things are a lot easier. Because you run into stuff that is contrary to God and it's clear that it is. It's like, well, that's not right. That doesn't sit right. I've had people tell me, come up to me just talking about life. I'm about to do this. Take a, this position. Build this house. Do, and while they're telling me, on the inside I'm going, Arr. you know what I mean by, Arr. don't write that down. But you, Some of you know what, the, what that's like. Spiritually, you just know that's wrong. That's not the right decision. That You're going the wrong direction there. And I'm not, I don't play anyone's Holy Spirit. You know, I'll teach the word, but I'm not, you know, going to be, I'm not the, I'm not your prophet to tell you what to do and what not to do. But I tell you this, when you stay full and live the normal spirit filled life, so many of those things, it's like, you don't even have to go, I'm not go off and pray about it. There's a whole lot of things I do not pray about. I mean, big decisions. You know why? Because as soon as I get into it, I know. I have a witness, do this, don't do this, green light, red light, I have this witness. But if I'm filling my time and my thoughts with the worries and cares of this world, and I'm so occupied with the things of this fleshly world, when I get into those situations, I don't know what to do. Everybody with me today? There is a life available to us. Stay until you see it. Drink until you're full. Come on. Spend time with him until it feels so good that you want nothing else in this world. You're not getting to a place where I'm just struggling with this. I don't even care about that anymore. Why would I struggle with that? That's like dead. Hmm. There is a potential of this life. Now, let me say this in closing. You heard the little boy in church one day, the preacher said, now in in conclusion, he said, Dad, what does that mean? And his dad said, nothing. (laughs) Now watch. (laughs) This stuff I'm talking about, you know, and engaging and meditating, that kind of stuff, it's not required. Your standing with God is not hanging in the balance here. That's finished. It's, It's the work of the cross. The blood of Jesus. You're as righteous today as, or as if, if you spent all day in prayer. Maybe more righteous. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Our, our relationship with God is not hinging upon us doing these things. And like I, I have to act this way. And No, no. Those things are forever settled in heaven. Come on. Your relationship with God is fine. It's good. He loves you. That's not hanging in the balance here. But what I'm talking about is... Um, we're either plugged into one thing or another. We're either either engaged in this world, in this flesh of life, or in the Spirit of God. Those are choices that we make every day. And there are results going either direction. And the one I'm looking at here, and we've been looking at for a while, uh, His presence is full of joy and pleasure. We should be the happiest group around. Now think about it, if we are. Not only the benefits for your life personally, I know we all think that way, 
I want to be happy. Good, I do too. Think about if all of us are, have tapped in. We've gone to the well and we're drinking. Mm-mm-mm. And we're so full and we come together. Oh, what a powerhouse this is. I tell you what, I tell you what, those who are satisfied on the, in the world will say, I quit. I'm going with you guys. This is the real thing. I mean, there is something of such great magnitude and power, it will overwhelm and, 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 and satisfy the thirsty soul. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for what you're saying and doing. Thankful for your spirit working in our lives continually. The blessing of the Lord is on us now. Lord, you've already completed the work. And we're satisfied. We're full. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for your spirit working in us continually. This is normal for us. We hear your voice. Oh, we feel your presence. (laughs) Oh, we enjoy your spirit speaking and and revealing and changing, doing great things in our lives. Thank you for working in us today in a wonderful, powerful, special way. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. I see that. You are greatly pleased to spend time with us. There is great pleasure experienced by you when we experience great pleasure from you. Thank you, Lord. We enjoy you and all you're doing. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name.